0: Welcome to the Compliance Expert Radio Show, your source for the latest information on corporate governance, internal audit, stocks, and risk
1: management services, with in-depth interviews, discussions, and insights from leading experts, hosted by Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum. This is the Compliance Expert Radio Show, and now, here is your host, Sonia Luna,
0: I'm Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum, an internal audit and compliance consulting firm headquartered in sunny Los Angeles, California. I'm also a speaker and writer on topics like COSO 2013, SOX 404, quality assessment reviews, internal auditing, and related topics. Today's interview, which I'm very excited, is with Jay Catato. Jay is the director of internal audit for Calpine Corporation based in Houston, Texas. Jay has an extensive background in operations, auditing, and shared services, and prior to joining CalPine, he worked for big names such as Mobile Oil, KPMG, Hewlett-Packard, and Nabor's Industry. He has held positions in a huge set of different departments like engineering, procurement, corporate audit, shared services, and even as a consultant. He holds a Bachelor of Science in Mechanical Engineering from the University of Texas in Austin. He is a certified internal auditor. He's also got a certificate in control self-assessments and a certified investment and derivatives auditor. Jay is a current member of the Institute of Internal Auditors, and he recently authored an article for the IAA's magazine entitled auditor or advisor and this is how i got to know jay's work because i was saying to myself he gets it so wonderful welcome jay
1: thank you sonya thank you for having me today
0: well um like i was mentioning earlier i got to know your work because of the article um and I, i really gravitated towards it because the profession sometimes is more ticking and tying and should be more advisor so that being said Can you share with our listeners, you know, what was the inspiration for writing the article Auditor or Advisor for the IAA magazine?
1: I think you you mentioned it there briefly, and, and that was in today's business environment and the businesses that us auditors typically support, they're in a business environment and they're competing with someone else. So how is it that we're in audit and we're not competing with someone else? And in order to compete in this field, You just can't be an auditor. You have to be an advisor. So it was to elevate that competency and demonstrate that we must be able to add value to the business. There's more to it than ticking and tying. Sure, the ticking and tying helps you tell your story but to to basically to say, hey, we can't be complacent anymore. We have to be those advisors to the business and not just the auditor. And we're competing with each other and we're competing with others in this industry. So that was my main inspiration for writing that article. The second part of it was to give people ways in which they could actually move their group from auditor to advisor. I mean, sometimes you hear people say you, you need you need to actually move from the auditor to the advisor. But the question then is, what can we do in order to do that? And so, in my group, over the past two years, I've been at Calpine now for two and a half years. We wanted to do this, and we started to brainstorm about ways we could do it. And so, the article demonstrates. Some sometimes simple ways that you can just move the perception from being just an auditor to an advisor. Obviously, your work product has to back that up, but if you're not involved in the business, if you're not volunteering, if you're not having meetings on different floors and being seen, I mean, there's no way anyone can perceive you other than an auditor when you want to be perceived as an advisor.
0: Mm-hmm. And I love the beginning of the article about, you know, hello, I, I'm from internal audit. I'm here to help. That was the first beginning part of your article. And and you continue in the article saying, like, okay, who's really said this? Okay, who's really gone in there to uh, a department that you're about to, to conduct a, an audit, whether it's operational socks, et cetera, and you're there to say, hey, I'm not here just to take a time. I'm actually here to be part of the team. I want us to win. Um, and it's rare because I don't know if it's just culturally we get into internal auditing or auditing in general and then our senior, you know, for a staff just tells us, here's your audit work program, get this done, get get the technical stuff done. And by the time you're a manager, that's when the relationships kind of kick in where you realize, okay, I've got the technical piece um, good, okay, there's always, you know, we always learn and continue to grow in in the technical aspect, but then the relationship building is sometimes a struggle for certain folks because they were told to be a technician the whole time, you know, and then they got to put the the switch on and go, I really need to start building better relationships, Um, and especially those in public accounting, as you probably know, uh, working from KPMG, those relationships matter. Um, not only internally, but with your clients. And and I wanted to bring in a, a different kind of question because this is something that's going to be a hot topic not only next year and the following year, but it's, it's just in general being talked about um, by the finance group right now as well as external auditors. And, you know, I wanted to bring up about uh, how can the internal audit group, okay, how can being an advisor rather than an auditor help an organization and then also kind of putting it in the context of what most organizations are going to deal with soon which is that new revenue recognition standard
1: well you've hit on a number of good points there and i think the the first thing that we make sure that my group knows is that you cannot audit a business you don't understand so let me repeat that again I mean you cannot audit a business you don't understand so no matter what regulation is coming up whether it be this enhanced and new revenue recognition or whether it be depreciation expense or whether it be a system implementation you must understand the business and to be an advisor for for those that need assistance, and many companies, all of us even those of us in audit need assistance, that's why we have a quality assurance review process that that we go through, and you reach out to an advisor for that, so we wanna be that person or that group or that individual that gets that first phone call from the business to help them manage their risks, may help them strategically, or just may help them in their decision-making process. So we want that first phone call. And you're right. It's the relationships that matter. Now, of course, you have to be a good technician. You have to be considered uh, knowledgeable of the business, and you do things in order to gain people's confidence in that space and Including your work product on a daily basis is very important but then you have to build those relationships so while you mentioned it you know you're taught often to be a technician and once you become a manager all of a sudden wait a minute I need these relationships because they do matter With my group, what we've done is we've instilled in them opportunities to build relationships even at their level. So we encourage our group and we budget our group and we provide uh, guidance to them and actually go with them and bring them to different meetings so that they can also develop the relationships at that level because – I may not be the one to get that first phone call. Sometimes I'm the third one to get that call but one of my team members was the first one to get that call and that's what it's all about is being there for the business, for them to see you a certain way and for you to be consistent, dependable and knowledgeable in order to be seen as that advisor. So with the new revenue recognition just with like anything else or when revenue recognition first came out SB 101 for the software industry and then when SOC's came out, revenue recognition was one of the most common reasons for these material misstatements All I have to say, it's no different. You have to just understand the business and understand Mm -hmm. how your business fits or doesn't fit relative to that regulation. So you're going to have to do some homework. You're going to have to read extra. You're going to have to attend um, sessions inside and outside your company. You're going to have to listen to this radio show and other shows and be involved, or else you're not going to be able to provide that advisor uh, relationship to your internal and or external clients.
0: And I've noticed um, I, I help uh, I volunteer my time uh, for the Institute of Internal Auditors locally here in Los Angeles, and um, I've, I've noticed in the Chief Audit Executive Roundtable that I I help um, facilitate some of the uh, topics et cetera. Um, getting involved uh, meaning you you get out of something as much as you put into it. So the the Chief Audit Executives I can tell you that that are involved um have a lot of peers to talk to about the revenue recognition uh, standards, and more importantly, what their companies are doing, but more importantly, their peers. What are their peers think? How are they thinking about it? And there's a very collaborative discussion in those groups. So we may not be able to tell management, this isn't the debits and credits based on independence, et cetera. But having that conversation to say, what's the timeline? OK, when when is everything really due? and you know having some knowledge of the five steps that need to be done and then having management meetings saying okay well eventually we're going to have to validate these steps and or some of these contracts and you're right you you have to understand the business and sometimes getting the sales who are <laughs> initiating these revenue contracts right they need to be in the room to say this is the reason why we're structuring the, these deals this way. So, it's revenue recognition isn't supposed to make us create new contracts just because the debits and credits would be easier for management to do. It's this is how the business gets done and we may this is where it is today, here's where it might be in the future because this is where the marketplace is taking us. Hence, you know the auditors need to be in the room in those discussions to say, okay, great, that's fine. I need to understand the why factor, and then what would be the right audit procedures. So that way, when the sales or marketing team gets together to, to adjust certain terms or conditions, et cetera, they only they not only understand the business reason why. But then they can they can have a very frank dialogue to say, okay, I need to audit completeness, accuracy, et cetera, of this data. So let's get together on what we can agree that that can be done in order to make our jobs work well and continue to have the business run effectively the way our their, the company's customers want the business to be running. So yeah, I've
1: never been in a meeting where anyone said. Hey, we've got to make sure our business is done this way so the debits and credits line up. I mean, that's never a conversation. <laughs> you want to be in those meetings to understand the business and what you're hoping while you're in there is A, you can provide some guidance, but you get the question asked from the business to you hey, what do you need an audit to do your job? Because But based on what you just said, I mean, you get out whatever you put in. So if people see you providing the guidance, providing information that they can use, giving them uh, opportunities or highlighting potential risks as it relates to the business, it's just by nature they're going to ask you, okay, well, hey, thanks for everything that you've done, but what do you need to do your job? And then that's when you can be prepared to come in and say, well, from my end, we've got to look at completeness. We've got to look at accuracy. Now there's some accounting things that we'll have to consider, but, you know, I'm here to understand the business. Never have I been in a meeting where anyone said, well, we can't make that transaction happen that way because there's something called the debits and credits that don't line up. The business doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah, and and my point in making that is, I've been in some meetings where where people have that big sigh, you know, and go, "Man, now I got to, you know, write up a different memo because now you guys are creating this, you know, extra, um, you know, line item of revenue, and you know they have this defeatist attitude where it, it, you know, business needs to be done. The customers want a particular service or product, et cetera, from you, and and um, it may be more work. Okay. Um but it again we're here to be advisors not just an auditor to tick and tie and not make our job super easy. It's about understanding what we need to get done and uh, for the company's sake, right, to grow the organization and it's having the right attitude with the management team saying, okay, well wh- where are we today? Where are we going to go in the future? Okay, how does this team get together and work uh, effectively? To make sure we are dotting our i's and, and, and uh, crossing our t's for the paperwork that look, we, none of us really enjoy creating a lot of paperwork, but it has to be done. How can we how can we do it better than our our competitor down the road? That would be one way where I get you know rally the troops, so to speak, and say, look, all of us have to figure this out. The question is who's going to do it well and successfully, and 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 have the most effectiveness. Uh, in terms of our audit work papers compared to ABC down the road, because they're going to have to do the same thing too.
1: Exactly. Anytime you can minimize effort, leverage systems, um, ensure alignment between the business. Uh, the strategy, and of course the back office, i.e. accounting, you're going to be way ahead of the game, and I think you know that's where auditors' roles slash advisors' roles come in. You know, we're the ones that see upstream and downstream of all processes, so it it it's on us to to help highlight those areas. And make recommendations so that we can have efficiencies we can leverage our existing systems where possible or fill in gaps where individuals in particular roles outside of of audit may not have that upstream and downstream knowledge and so that's where your value is in my opinion
0: so what what kind of reactions uh, Jay did you get because of this article
1: a lot of phone calls A number of my colleagues, (laughs) you were one of them, and and I didn't know you, so I've made some new connections as a result of that, so... Thank you for that, but um, a lot of individuals that I know that that read IA and are involved in IA um, contacted me, um, offered to give me their magazine, but more importantly, um, articulated the same thing that you did, and that was, yes, our profession does have more to offer than just being an auditor. I mean, not everyone knows what we do and what value we bring, and, and you gave us some good ideas. On how to make or how to change the perception in our particular group, on our particular floor, or in our particular area, and/or company. So uh, I've gotten a lot of positive feedback from it.
0: Great. Now I'm glad to hear that you got a lot of positive feedback, and I know our listeners also want to uh, would appreciate some practical advice on staying relevant because we talked a little bit about you know the new revenue recognition standards, but to stay relevant in the field of internal audit what advice would you give our listeners today about staying relevant
1: so staying relevant to internal audit is going to require you staying relevant to the business so if uh, back to my initial comment which is if you don't know the business obviously you can't audit it nor can you act as an advisor so if you're an internal audit and you're not reading the same journals as your c-suites reading then you need to be reading those. We went upstairs and got a list of, of journals that the C-suite reads, and now we can get those same journals, whether they be in print or in online. So if you're not reading CFO magazine, CIO magazine, if you're not reading a Wall Street journal and you're at a director level or above, I guarantee you your C suites reading that every single day or very consistently. Um the other thing you need to do is know your competitors and take the time to listen to their earnings call. See what the analysts are questioning those businesses about, what the response is like, you know, where where's the strategy? Is it any different or similar than your company? Is their revenue up and yours down, or their expenses down and yours up? You know, how how do you compare and are you taking the time to listen? to these calls. They're only an hour, and it's only an hour each quarter. So everyone knows who their – or should know who their competitors are. And if you take that time out to listen to those things and then figure out how those – Issues or concerns from the street are being addressed in your company, then you're not just going to stay relevant to internal audit, you're going to stay relevant to the business, and then you can look at those things um, from your projects and see if you can assist the business in addressing any of those issues. So it, it takes more than just being at work, you know, it's going to take time outside of your normal. Uh, nine to five or eight to eight job in order to to make a difference and stay relevant of course you have got regulations that have to keep up with you know attend your local IIA sessions I found my IIA session here in Houston to be very helpful and beneficial um, getting get plugged into academia see what the students are learning see what the trends are um, there's many opportunities there to get involved um, and then, like you mentioned, they have a CAE roundtable. Uh, we have a number here in our area um, that I attend as well. And so there's an issue log and topics statement that we go through every every quarter. And so getting involved in those keeps you relevant as well. So you can't stay behind your desk. That's for sure.
0: Yeah, and and, and I'm, uh, I, what I caught on was those those journals that the C level uh, executives are reading. Um, that's great at practical advice because um, it, it's not to say you got to read everything cover to cover, but what's the theme of that particular issue talking about? Is it cybersecurity? Is it um, you know revenue recognition and how is that going to impact certain businesses, et cetera? But those magazines are pretty current in terms of what the pulse is, in terms of the marketplace of what CFOs, et cetera, are thinking about. Um, In addition, in your article, um, I noticed that you were mentioning going to very industry-specific conferences and seminars, and, um, you know, and you just also stated uh, earlier about getting involved in um, the IIA if you're an internal auditor. I mean, you you get what you put into it. So if you're (laughs) sitting in the desk and then you never really connect with your, your other peer group um in a number of years you will start figuring out how, you know, just copy, paste, and repeat isn't really going to, to keep you in, in a viable workforce. Um, talking to your peers about what they're doing, what software they're buying and using, why are they doing it and what value are they adding to the business and in and um auditing. Um, I think that's great and practical advice um, which I wanted to, to kind of switch gears because when I read through your bio, um, it, it's very impressive by the way, but I was going through and saying, Man, this you know, Jay's been in different parts of the business. He's you you haven't just been in audit, 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 which some people take the career path of public, you know, graduate school, go to an accounting firm, or you could start an internal auditing. But the fact is it's it's what I normally see is a very heavy, heavy audit track. So everyone, I think, has a good story about their career path, how they got into this profession. So could you share with our listeners what drew you to the profession of internal auditing? <sighs>
1: Well, I have to admit that um, you know, coming from the engineering world, I, di- I didn't have any clue what internal auditors did. So there was not one time in my life that I actually considered a career in internal audit. For me, um, it just developed as opportunities developed and as I developed in my career. Um, so when, at one point in my life, um, I was. I had the opportunity to move from engineering to procurement, and I knew that there, I didn't have enough business knowledge. I mean, we only get a couple of classes uh, in, in, in the engineering field re- directly related to business. So I started studying accounting at night, and a year and a half later after that, An opportunity came up with Mobile Oil for me to become, quote, unquote, a non-traditional auditor, meaning one that was outside of the typical accounting world to audit their capital projects that were happening globally. And so I took that opportunity, and that's when I started to realize – Basically, the value and the experience you would gain as an internal auditor. So, I have taken a non, quote unquote, a non traditional path, and this is my third time in audit. So, yes, I have been in the business, and I'm a big advocate of ensuring my people get good experience in audit. And if the opportunity presents itself uh, to any one of my um, direct reports or colleagues, I definitely would encourage them to. To go into the business, because that's where you're gonna learn a different perspective on things, and you can always come back to audit i mean i like I said I've done it a number of times, um and that's when you really start to add that additional layer of values when you can when you've been there, you know, and you've had that experience. Um, so th- th- I think that's the benefit that I've had. That's a benefit I would like to pass on to my colleagues. And, in fact, there's three members of my audit team in the last 12 months um, that have moved or will be moving to the business um, in the in the next three months or less. So we've been fortunate to be able to, to train individuals related to, it, in audit but then the business see the value in them and what they've been able to do and their relationship building and their social skills that I guess you could say unfortunately then they lean on me uh, to to provide them with that resource for a need that they need but it's okay it's for the benefit of the organization so the way we see it and the way I see it is it's company first, team second, and then, you know, myself, I E individual third. So, if we keep that in mind, you will always be looking out for the best interests of our company and our team and then those individuals will benefit.
0: Mhm. That's a, that's a pretty impressive career path because I mean, it took, you know, um, you know, initiative on your part, you know, to study at night and and obviously know a little bit more about accounting and then uh, this opportunity at Mobile Oil um, opened up. You grabbed a hold on it, uh, onto it, and, and lo and behold, it's just you know the auditing track kind of developed over time. And other other folks that I've talked to who who are um, at that C level in terms of the audit profession, chief audit executive, etc. Um, what's interesting is sometimes most of them are not traditional auditors. They started out in some part of the business somewhere else and then something opened up that opened their eyes to say this is actually very interesting you know you don't have to do the operations piece of it but you get to see not only the the aftermath of of a transaction but you also can see trending you can see where the company's going going forward Um, so it gives you a better perspective of the business without having in my opinion to be in the weeds of the business of the day-to-day transactions. You get to see the aggregate result of the business activities. Um, but your path is, is what, what's interesting to me is is somewhat similar to I, what I see in different um, positions actually throughout the U.S. where that C-level audit position, um, I would say in my personal experience, it has been – Fifty percent traditional audit and the other half is not, and that's not to discount say one is better uh, than the other. It's just very interesting to me when I see that because it's a very diverse um, background that I'm seeing. It's not just a one size fits all. Like you gotta, you should have picked audit from the very beginning, (laughs) stuck to it, and then just moved up. Um, What I'm finding is it's actually not that, that that's not the case at all. As a matter of fact, I was at a conference. It's the joint conference that ISACA and the IIA put on. And uh, Richard Chambers, the CEO of the IIA, was bringing that point that people kind of get to that position who don't have a traditional audit background. And it just tells you that the profession in general is a very welcoming. Profession that welcomes you know diverse input and and different backgrounds to make again they hold not only the department but the organization better.
1: Yeah. Yes, I definitely would agree because in my group even today we have computer science majors in the group. Um we have individuals from management information systems sure it's a business related degree but as you know it's not uh, just heavy accounting. So the the fact that you know you you can have these other backgrounds and these other experiences and come into audit it it gives us that advantage. And, again, if you want to be an advisor, you need input from those other areas. We had a gentleman in our group that was from the sales group and one from IT implementation, project management office type work, and they provided another perspective. So having all these different perspectives, if you can leverage that within your group successfully, I mean, your, your perspective your work product and your view and your contribution at an advisor becomes that much greater so it and you're right audit allows Individuals from different backgrounds, uh, different educational um, experiences, to come in and do that. In, in some industries, you don't you don't have that, right? I mean, it's difficult to uh, take certain disciplines and move them into an engineering field when you're trying to build a bridge. I mean, you know, it may or may not hold up. There's certain technical things that you must have in place, and um, but fortunately, our profession is welcoming enough where we can leverage all that experience. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, no, I, I I agree, and I mean I think the the data is starting to prove out, and it's one of the the core reasons why there's this uh, new new certification of an audit leader, right? That uh, the IA is now offering. It's because of this path where they wanted to put a, a kind of a seal, if you will, a seal of approval, saying this individual has the proven experience and leadership skills to, to head up an internal audit department because the data was showing a very diverse kind of beginning, if you will, or, or background of, of, of how people got into that leadership position. It's not It's not to say it's, it's good or bad. It's just it's a very welcoming um, profession with diverse backgrounds. And, again, Jay, I want to say, Thank you for this very insightful interview, and, and I, I'm very confident our listeners got a lot of value from listening to your perspective about you know moving away from an auditor to, to an advisor. And as a reminder to our listeners, you can find Jay's article. Uh, it's in the IIA Magazine, the online version. So again, thank you, Jay, for coming on our radio show today.
1: Hey, thank you for your time today. Thank you for the invite. I thoroughly enjoyed it. If there's anything else you need from me or my organization, please let me know. We'd be happy to help out. Again, thank you.
0: Great. This is Sonia Luna, CEO and founder of Aviva Spectrum, signing off.